0: All right, folks, as we, um, we go ahead and get into our sermon today, I would ask you to go ahead and turn to um, the epistle of the letter of James. Um, it's right after Hebrews in the New Testament, um, but turn to James. We'll be in chapter one, um, and today we're going to, Lord willing, get through verses 19 through 27, and i um, looking forward to this. Before I get started, um, I do want to go to the Lord in prayer, Uh, so let's do that now. Father, I thank you for um, this opportunity to stand in front of your people and teach your word, and so, Father, I just pray um, that you would give me words today, Father, that this would be about you and not about me or anybody else in here, Father, that um, everybody would hear your word, um, really take the sober self-assessment, and Father, purpose in their hearts to do your word, and uh, it's my prayer that they will find truth today, uh, apply it in their lives, and find practical ways in doing so. I ask all this in your son's name, amen. All right, y'all are gonna have to uh, bear with me, I, I will not lie, I'm I'm always nervous getting up here. It's uncomfortable, and like things didn't go quite how um, we expected today. And so I'm trying to shrug that off. And uh, so I love it. I love everybody's like hey, it's gonna be okay, Phil. It's gonna be. And I was like, I know you guys love me. I love y'all. It's gonna be okay today. But um, but in any case, what what's, what's great? We we had a, a student Bible study in James. I think that was really good. Kind of going through the entire book and that sort of thing. Um, because James is just a good it's a, it's a good kind of hard-hitting book on the actual, actual practical application of our, our relationship with God and Christianity and more of the doing. And, and that puts a lot of people off sometimes because it's like it's not necessarily it's not what we do to gain salvation. It's all what Christ has done. Um, but really the whole the whole letter. Of James is really getting around that if we've got that relationship with Christ and we know His sacrifice for us and what He's done for us, then we should be living His word out and doing things for His glory, and um, and so we're going to definitely get into that in these verses. But I'll just start off by saying, like we all haven't had the exact same week, have we? Um, we've all interacted with different people been in different circumstances we've had different obstacles we've had different support in our life Um, so for some it may have been like an awesome like mountaintop week i don't know for others we may have been like down in the valley and then some of us may have been on like the like it's one of those weeks it's like an old school wooden roller coaster right not the steel ones with all the loop-de-loops and the corkscrews maybe y'all had one of those but I'm talking about those ones, like, the only cool thing about them is there are those ups and downs where you have those exhilarating, like, high, like, no gravity moments, and then the terrifying plunges and that sort of thing. So that may be kind of your week, or maybe you had the kind of a baseline week, nothing like major to write home about. It was a week. Um, we've all had a different experience. and. Um, You know some of us may have been in a workplace this week may have been like we may have been crushing it with our colleagues and doing an awesome job and getting a lot of things done we may have not seen eye to eye with our boss right and had a a, a struggle of a week from that front or maybe you've been a single parent Um, you know maybe your spouse has been um, out of town or maybe you are a single parent and maybe your kid was um exceedingly like gracious to you this week and helpful knowing that you needed some help or maybe it's been a bit of a struggle bus kind of week right and you kind of got hit while you were already down and you got no more gas in the tank um there may be people in here too that have had family and friends and loved ones all around them this week and they have just had so much fellowship and they're full of joy from all of that There may also be some that have been lonely this week and seeking fellowship and have been struggling in that regard. Um, The idea here, too, is that regardless of our circumstance, we've all been in different circumstances, but how we react to those circumstances um, matters. And so whatever your situation was this week or this month or this season of life this year, whatever that looks like, um, we've all thought... We've all said things and we've all done things in response to those circumstances in our interactions in life. And so as we go into James today, I want to just start. James, he is the half-brother of Jesus, and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he's writing to believers in this this letter, Um, and he gives us a very short but a very powerful list of qualities of those who produce the righteousness of God. And so believers are commanded to follow the belief and the knowledge of the things of God and follow them with action, and that's what we're going to talk on today. If you've turned to James chapter 1 in your Bible, verses 19 through 27, I will ask you to stand. We're going to read the word of God, um, and then we will, uh, we'll say a, pr- a prayer before we get into everything. So James chapter 1, verses 19. So then, my beloved brethren... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Let's pray. Father, as we've read your word, I pray that something has stuck out to us of particular interest. Father, I pray that you would open our um, ears, open our hearts to receive your word today. Father, that we would do it humbly, that we would do it with a sense of um, anticipation for what you have for us. Father, I thank you for all things. I ask in your son's name. Amen. God may be seated. I've got that nervous dry mouth going on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So earlier in this chapter, James encourages believers to count it all joy, joy when trials come to be patient when they do, to ask God for wisdom without doubting, and do it boldly, and he'll give it in abundance and happily. So he does go through all of that. We're told that earthly riches are things that fade, and we're told to expect temptations, but to endure as we can be drawn away with the the desires of ourselves, and that can lead to sin, and that sin leads to death. And so that's where James starts, um, starts this letter. In verses 19 through 27, James continues to address his beloved brethren, his fellow Christians, his brother and sisters in Christ. And he's starkly contrasting um, worldly living for what he, uh, what he calls godly living. And so two key words I want, like later in the, in the passage that we just read, you heard it several times. You heard the word hearer and you heard the word doer. And those are things that I want you to pay particular interest to as we go through um, this section of Scripture. We'll get to it a little bit later in the end. But listen to what James is calling hearers of the word and doers of the word and the work. Our two main points today, uh, verses 19 and 20, tell us very simply we are to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, and that these things produce uh, God's righteousness. And verse 22 would be the other kind of highlight verse here too. Living according to the word of God isn't optional. We got, we have to hear the word. We have to humbly receive it and we need to do what it says. Um, starting in verse 19, James says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So James is, again, he's talking to his beloved brother, and that's how he addresses them. He's talking to his fellow Christians, his brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and he's saying, um, you know, remember, too, like at this time, he's also talking to Christians that are scattered abroad. So it's not like they're all there together. He's speaking to Jewish uh, Christians that are scattered, and they're going through persecution. They're going through a lot of fake and false teaching. Um, all of that was rampant. And so think, think from James' perspective, the conditions were really very ripe for there to be a lot of frustration and anger and um, division really within the church. And so that's, he's writing that to believers, and he's saying, let every man. He's not leaving anybody out. It's everybody, okay? It's just so we're clear, it's man, woman, everybody, every believer, Um, And he says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. What I love is that these commands build on one another, and we're going to really get into that. Um, But in the Greek, when when he says, be swift to hear, that word swift, it means um, speedy without unnecessary delay, that it's prompt that you're at the ready. That's that swiftness, being ready to go, right? Um, When he speaks of being slow to speak that's that greek word is talking through um that you're you're slow you're you're properly thinking about things that you're slow as in you're taking time to deliberate and consider all of the facts that you're unhurried but that you're still moving forward after getting all of the facts so it's that kind of being slow and what's interesting too is it's the same word used in slow to speak as slow to wrath so just think of it that way james is telling us we're to be Slow, taking our time to deliberate, still moving forward, but after considering all of the facts when it comes to both uh, speaking and then also to wrath or anger. Um, and that, that word wrath as well, let's talk through it for just a second. It's really another word for anger. It's kind of like the, acti- the activity of anger and that sort of thing. It's indignation and it's passionate. Um, and so that's, that that's what James is talking about there. In verse 20, James goes on, he says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So while there is such thing as righteous anger, um, and we'll talk through like God's anger here in just a second, James is writing to believers right at that time, and he's saying the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And that's a very, very uh, important distinction. That wrath of man, the anger, the indignation that of, of man, is not producing of God's righteousness. We hear of God's wrath. Uh, Romans 2 um, talks about God's wrath in verses 5 through 6. It says, But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring or storing up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. I think it's important to remember, too, that. Um, Humans before they before they are redeemed by Christ are storing up God's wrath. That sin is being stored up. Well, what's beautiful too is it says that um, God is not um, God is patient in all of that. He does not want anyone to perish, and He did make a way of salvation and restoration for everyone. Um, but James is pointing out really here that the anger and the wrath of believers is really something that should be taken seriously and with much caution. And I think we all get that, don't we? Um, if you will turn with me uh, to Mark chapter ten, um, so we'll go back a few um, few books. Mark chapter ten, and we're going to look through verse, verses forty six through fifty two. Um, and I want us to turn there because I want us to see. Um, I want to see. I want us to see the um, the swift to hear and the slowness to speak of Jesus. This isn't really like the perfect um, analogy or like perfect example um, for wrath and that sort of thing. But we can see um, Jesus being swift to hear from somebody and for him also being slow to speak. When he is the creator of the universe, he still valued um, what other people had to say. So Mark 10, verse um, 46 through 52, it says, Now they came to Jericho. And as he, Jesus, went out to Jeric- out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, "Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I love this passage and I love this example of Jesus because Jesus had this huge crowd following him and he had a lot to do and he had important things to do. But this guy cries out to him. People are shushing him. He cries out even more. And so Jesus stops and he stands still. And he calls for this guy to come to him. And he asks him a question. He says, what do, want, what do you want me to do for you? And Jesus already knew the answer to that. He already knew why that guy was crying out. He already knew the guy. Jesus created us all. He knew us before we were in our mother's womb. He already knew what this guy needed, but he asked him nonetheless and I think that that's just really powerful because we see it time and time again in jesus' life it It may be that like he's asking questions of his disciples, right? Sometimes it's even like, "Oh, you've little faith you know and he and but he'll he'll ask them questions. And he'll hear what they have to say. And he allows them to ask questions rather than just lecturing them all the time. Um, and, and so that's, that's just a beautiful example. The Samaritan woman at the well, right? Another brilliant example of Jesus taking the time one-on-one with somebody to stop and talk to them. Told her her whole life everything that she had done, right? And it amazed her. Um, but just having that time to stop and ask that question and talk, that is a great example of being swift to hear and slow to speak. Um, Jesus did it for a lot of people that he would heal. Um, others that he was teaching, uh, Nicodemus, Pontius Pilate. In Mark, we've been going through like the uh, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, the scribes. All of those have had multiple opportunities or multiple situations in which they're challenging Jesus and they're asking him questions. And rather than just like straight on rebuking or, you know, just ending them or whatever Jesus could have done, a lot of times he asked questions and he would, he would kind of flip the script, but also talk with them and answer them that, in that way. And again, I think that that's just, um, it's really, it's really a great, it's the best example we can possibly have of somebody who had all of the authority to not have to listen to what anybody else said, but still took the time. He was swift to hear people. He was swift to intently listen to them and that sort of thing, and then also slow to speak of himself, often asking questions and getting to the heart of the matter with the person in front of him. Um, How can we do all of these things practically? I think um, it's a fair question to ask of ourselves. Um, How can we be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath? It starts like swift to hear, right? If we humble ourselves, if we prefer and love others over ourselves and afford them the chance to speak and listen intently to what they have to say and with purpose, then automatically by default, we're going to be slow to speak. Y'all know how this works, right? Like if you're intently listening to what somebody else is saying, your mouth is closed and your ears are open and you're listening to them. And that's wise. That's that's why James is saying these these things. If you are swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is part of righteous living. This is part of listening um, and seeing the example of Jesus and slowing ourselves down to actually listen to somebody and get at the heart of the matter. I thought about this like this is not like this has not been the easiest chapter because I've had to do a lot of assessment of my own life I think that that's fair and as a parent you know sometimes you're completely spent aren't you Um, I don't know about you guys but sometimes like work has like gotten me to the point where I have nothing left up here. i probably didn't start out with a whole lot anyways. Right. Um, but I'm like, I'm spent, I'm emotionally spent. I am just physically, um, I'm tired. Uh, all of these different things, mentally, emotionally, all of these things. And then, you know, it's, it seems like that's when your child decides I'm going to have a little disobedience. Right. Or I'm going to do something. Right. Um, And so we may see that disobedience and it may anger us immediately and it may provoke us to wrath um, and that sort of thing. Because here we are, we know right and wrong and we see this injustice and it's our job to correct our children. But we immediately, sometimes we go straight to anger, we go straight to wrath. We're not, we don't stop and we're not swift to hear, we're not slow to speak, we just go straight from point A straight on judgment mode here we go right and uh, and so that's something like I had to uh, think about internally Um, we shut down that opportunity for the child when we go from like zero to 60 um, to admit and acknowledge their sin and we either move straight to speaking or right on to wrath but in contrast what this could look like we may afford the opportunity for that child to acknowledge to admit their sin which is what that is. Um, Ask them some questions to dig a little bit more into their heart and maybe determine exactly like why something happened or why they decided to make that decision or whatever the case and ask them those questions to kind of get to the heart of the matter because that's honestly what we want, isn't it? Um, Yes, we want to correct this one situation, but we want the heart to be changed. We want them to be right with God more than they want right with us, right? Or whatever we, we've got right in front of us. And all of this while being slow to speak. And I got to thinking too, like we all have disagreements with adults, don't we? Grown Grownups. Um, we've got people at work. We've got family members. We've got friends. We've got all of these different situations. And so we may see some behavior that we don't agree with. Um, We may have someone that's wronged us or we think that they've wronged us, right? How many of us have been there like we think somebody's wronged us and we immediately go on the offensive? Let me deal with this. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and you know Well, we're not being swift to hear anything. Are we we're not being slow to speak. We're we're not being slow to wrath sometimes we go from zero to 60 um, without even thinking and um, again in those situations we've also missed the opportunity to produce the righteousness of god in all of this because we weren't slow to speak we weren't slow to uh, to wrath and i've got a question so if if we could we love others enough to let them speak to ask the questions to go to somebody in humility maybe somebody has wronged you and you go to them humbly they may not have, reflect that same attitude to you, right? And that's, that's very possible. But could we go to them lovingly and ask and talk and listen to what they've got to say about a situation? Um, could we maybe get to the heart and maybe go with the understanding and the intent to actually listen to reconcile or build them up? Are these things like, is that showing them Christ's likeness in that regard? And I think it does. Um, from what we're seeing here, we're supposed to be, again, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And I think it's something, too, that can not only draw somebody closer to Christ, but if they don't know Christ, it's not normal. It's not normal behavior um, for somebody that has wronged somebody to go to them and love and love them. We're taught to love our enemies and these sort of things. So it's, it's something that can not only draw people closer to Christ, but point them to Christ in the first place if they don't know him. Um, i'd be remiss to say too we will have times where people in this church like we love each other in here we'll have times where we disagree on things where we have disagreements where we have differing opinions and we may have our feelings hurt by people in this church won't we it's because we're all people aren't we we're not going to get it right all the time but again i think that's one more practical place where we can be swift to hear from other people we can be slow to speak and we can be slow to wrath and that that could be something that can really build up the body of church or the body of christ um jesus even said that too right he he gave his disciples a new commandment and he said um you know love love one another as i have loved you he said this is how people will know that you are my disciples Like that very thing right there, if we can love each other. So I think part of loving as Christ loves is hearing other people, truly hearing other people. Um, Moving on to being slow to speak and slow to wrath. Um, Being slow to speak allows us to hear and really digest what other people are saying to us and understand more fully their perspective and their intent um, and their position on things. And it also gives us proper consideration for our own responses. Um, really time to reflect on our own attitudes and motives how many times do we do that really think about our attitude and our motive at the time that we're going to disagree with somebody or get into a discussion with somebody and we're having to kind of pump the brakes and listen to other people and be slow to speak ourselves i uh i love that idea that the beauty of all of this is if we're swift to hear other people we're automatically going to be slow to speak. If we're swift to hear and slow to speak, we're already going to delay or slow down the time it takes to you know, get in full wrath, anger mode, <laughs> and that sort of thing. And so I think it's important to remember in the moment when all of this is going on, the speed um, in which we open our mouths is directly tied to the speed in which our anger and the anger of others will rise or can rise. Um, so again, I think just stopping for a minute, remembering what James has put in here, that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God and slowing down for a bit in situations and really, um, looking at our intent and motive is, um, is important. Um, one other thing I want to say on this before we move on to verses 21 through 27 being swift to hear and listen intently to somebody else and being slow to speak and holding back our anger or trying to, um, you know, show Christ, uh, Christ likeness through our actions. It's hard work. And I think that that's something that can't be overlooked either. It's hard work. It's not normal. It's not, it's not our norm. It's not our human nature to put others over ourselves and prefer other people, especially in disagreements. Um, or in difficult situations. And so, again, I think that that um, just is some practical application for what James has got in the first part of um, our, our message today. Um, look to verse 21 real quick. Um, James goes, goes and he, he kind of he, he hits that point, and then he moves on, and he really gets into um, sin and the word of God, and then he launches into not only those things, but also um, the work that should accompany um, a believer. And, um, and again, something that uh, is near and dear to James' heart really all throughout his, um, his letter. But in verse 21, uh, James is writing to believers that they're to lay aside, put by the wayside all sin and filthiness, and then takes a step further. He describes this as an overflow of wickedness. And so I was thinking um, in preparation today, um, what is deceitful? What is wicked? And it's our heart, isn't it? Jeremiah um, chapter 17, it says that. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I want you to imagine real quick, like everybody in here gets home or anybody watching online logs off and you hear water running like as soon as you get home or as soon as you log off. And you think, oh, no, I ran a bath this morning. And your immediate thought is not like, well, that's what that smell was, right? Like I forgot to pay this morning. Uh Oh, Um, but you're thinking, oh, no. I've got water pouring out of my bathtub, and that's what you walk into, right? You've got an overflowing tub, and it's going everywhere, and it's damaging all sorts of things. Um, You're gonna jump into action. You're gonna try to stop that overflow, and you're gonna be careful not to slip uh, first. That's step one. Um, Don't slip, but you're gonna turn the faucets off, and then you're gonna do what? You're gonna pull the plug, aren't you? So that the water can go down and go away. Um, then you're going to try to clean everything up. You're going to surveil the damage, surveil the... Y'all, I had a five-gallon water jug bust in our old house, okay? You would have thought it it looked like an Olympic swimming pool of water. Um, But just, I I want y'all to have that visual, right, of something just overflowing that's damaging, that's like an oh-no moment, like I've got to do something about that. And that's what James is saying here. He's saying... You've got to get rid of all filthiness and this overflow of wickedness, which is just, you know, it's just that idea of just that garbage pile that's just heaping up. you all watch that uh, show Hoarders and that sort of thing, right? Where they've got like to the walls and like labyrinth, like a maze getting to like a mattress on the ground. It's just overflow of just amazing mess. And, um, and James is saying, Believers, you've got to lay aside all filthiness and that overflow of wickedness. And then he follows it up. He says, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And so that receiving the word is in, in meekness is just humility and, and just having a teachable heart. It's being open to what God has for you. And so receiving the word is simply just opening the door and accepting the grace that God gives us and the knowledge that he has for us. It's not anything that we're doing. It's just accepting that gift. But um, James is saying that the word of God, it's able to save your souls. And it's it's more than just like saving your souls in eternity, but it's saving us here and now in the fallen world and, and helping us um, in our in our day to day. We'll move on to verses 22 and on. Um, James tells us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. James writes that we are to be hearers. We have to be hearers. You have to be a hearer first before you can know what to do. So he's not, he's not poo-pooing the idea of, and yes, I just said the word poo-poo for all you kids in here, all right? I can, he's not poo-pooing the idea of hearing and studying the word of God or anything like that. He's not putting less value on any of that, okay? Um, That's not what he's saying at all, but what he is telling us, too, is that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if we hear the word and we don't do it, we deceive ourselves, Um, and so spoiler alert, chapter two, verse 19, um, probably on the same page in your Bible. It's very, these are very short passages, but James chapter two, verses 19, he says, you believe that there is one God you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. And so the idea there too is that it's not just knowledge of God or knowing about the Bible. Satan knew Scripture; he knows it better than anybody in this room. Um, he knows he's seen Jesus and God and rebelled. So it's not it's not a fact of like knowing and that sort of thing, um, but it, it's about it's about actually doing. And John 8, uh, 44, speaks on Satan in this manner. It says he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. So it's possible for us to hear the truth. It's possible for us to study the truth in the word of God. It's, it's possible for all of these things to happen, but to not possess the truth. As James put it in verse 21, we're to receive it humbly with an open heart, and we're to implant it, and we're to do it. And if we are not doing what the word of God says We've deceived ourselves, and that self-deception is, is is very very dangerous. James uses this analogy of someone looking at their own reflection in a mirror, and that would have meant something to them more in the day. Like we've got mirrors everywhere and that sort of thing, but it's a, or or a phone, right? Like if I think I may have something in my teeth after dinner, I don't even have to go to a mirror anymore. I can, you know, and check myself out, but. The idea there is, like, what do we go in front of a mirror for or look at something? We're doing it to intently scrutinize. We're, we're, we're looking at, like, do... I thought about just showing up, like, bushy-headed today, like, you know, beard just all puffed up in, uh, in what I slept in last night and getting up here and preaching just for, like, a uh, object lesson. I would be the object, right? Like, yeah, I looked in the mirror this morning and... Uh, I saw this and I was like, I really should do something about this. So I at least don't look completely crazy. Like what Amanda has to wake up to every morning. Right. But, you know, and, and James says, you know, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you don't follow it up with, with doing an action. You're like a man seeing your face in a mirror. And you see it, and you see the things you've scrutinized, you've scrutinized your life, you know what you've got to do, what you should do, according to the word of God, but you walk away anyways unchanged you you don't follow it with action and it, and and James says that he he immediately forgets what kind of man he is, so he's a forgetful hearer, right like here we are, we've seen it, we know what we need to do, but we're just going to keep on um, and so James is, is strongly warning us against that. Verse 25, he says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Um, we, read, we read earlier in our scripture um, reading earlier the, the conclusion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has gone through a lot. He hit a lot of people with a lot of really hard truth, a lot of um, you know, really defining what sin truly is and how important it is and what God's standard of sin is and how we are to live our lives. But he concludes it, and he, and he, he literally makes the point James is making here. In conclusion of that very, very powerful message, Jesus is saying, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them I will liken them or him to a wise man who built his house on the rocks, or on the rock, rather. And, and the, the very, the very opposite is true. Anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And we saw what happened to both of those. The one, The house built on the rock, those who hear the word and do it are upheld by the rock. Those who don't, who may hear it only but don't do it, is the house that falls. That's the one built on sand. There's nothing, there's nothing stable to hold it up. Um, James, James says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I want to point that out. Y'all read that one more time because I read it like 50 times, okay? I don't know how many times, and I, I didn't catch it till like maybe number 47, okay? Earlier in the, in the uh, passage, um, in, in the earlier verses, James is talking about doers of the word. And in this verse, he's saying doers of the work. It's a different word. It's got a different meaning and a context to it. God has a work for all of us to do. We need to know his word. We need to know him. We need to seek what his will is for us. But he's got work for all of us to do. And that could be different for everybody in this room. Some of us have been called to be parents. Some are grandparents. Some are amazing friends. Some are support to others who have have lost a spouse. Others are students in this room. Y'all have a different life than I do right now. You're going to school, maybe you've gone to a new one, or maybe you've seen old friends and that sort of thing. But you all have a work that God is calling you to do. And what James is saying here is that we should hear we should hear what God has for us. We need to um, not only hear that, but we need to follow it with action. We need to do it um, in order to be wise and produce the righteousness of God. Verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and, not, and does not bridle his tongue or guard his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. James is speaking to Christians again. He's talking to his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's assuming that the target of the people that he's talking to are religious people that are interested in learning about God, more about him, following him, that sort of thing. So that's where he's starting out with it. He's saying, if anyone among you thinks he's religious, he's talking to people that are religious. They are following Christ or they are seeking Christ, these sort of things. This is where he's at. If any of you guys thinks he's religious and you do not bridle your tongue, you deceive your own heart. And James says, your religion is useless. So James states one way of being a doer of God's word and in his work is to guard your tongue, is to protect your speech, the things coming out of your mouth, which we talked about a little bit earlier, right? Where's it would be swift to hear, slow to speak. That slow to speak is important. But this is really guarding your tongue in everything that you have to say. And may be profanity for some, may be a, a struggle, um, bitterness, slandering other people, gossiping. Um, all of these different things, speaking lies, but the opposite's true, too. Like, we're, if we're bridling our tongue and we're guarding our tongue, we can, we can do positive things with it, too, can't we? We can speak into people's lives and support them and love them and encourage them. We can speak the truth to them in love and humbly um, and just general have self-control. James goes on in verse 27. He says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. James defines for us something that we all should want, and that is pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father. Like that should be something that everyone should want, believer, non believer. We want stuff that's real, don't we? We want real. We want real connection with God, our creator. He's made us in his image. We want real religion, real relationship with him. And James defines that. He says, this is something like you can have, and this is what it is. And he gives us two very um, like practical, but just defining things of what real religion is between God the Father and and us um, as believers. He starts, number one, he says, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. So James is speaking to two of the best examples of that time of people who needed help, love, and support. But it hasn't changed. The same is true today. But more than, more than anything, we're to meet anybody that's going through troubles and times of, of grief, times of need, whatever the case, we're to meet them with the love. That Christ loved us with. And that's what James is talking about here. Do I think he's actually talking about widows and orphans? Absolutely. Absolutely. To to Especially in that time, but even to this day, folks that have lost their parents or don't have parents and folks that have lost a spouse, be it a wife that's lost a husband or a husband that's lost a wife, they are absolutely in need of support and love from others in, in their church and in their community. Um, and so I think James is, is he is specifically talking about widows and orphans and those people in need, but he's also, he's also um, speaking of just everybody that is in trials and, and different things. Remember the beginning of this chapter, he's saying, count it all joy, my brother. when you fall into trials and temptations, when you go through all of these hard things, and, um, and that's a hard thing to do, but could it be that, um, you know, James is saying, pure undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, that you meet widows and orphans in their time of need, you meet others in their time of need and, and build them up. James goes on, he says this is the, a second defining um, piece of pure and undefiled religion before God, um, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And I had to sit and chew on that for a while. Like, what does that mean? Because I think I've got, like, the Sunday school answer in my head, you know? Like, okay, we want to be different. We want to be set apart and that sort of thing. You want to be, you know, that... I think at the essence of this, it's a matter that there's a, there's a real aspect and a um, demand on us for personal holiness. And that is living for God, um, obeying his commands, and showing ourselves to be blameless... Um, you know, in the world and to others. And I think all of this kind of dovetails nicely. Like James has talked about listening to others, being slow to speak, slow to anger, guarding your tongue, making sure that you' you're being careful what comes out of your mouth. All of these things go together um, because one of the ways that we can truly spot ourselves, right, or be part of the world is to let things just rip out of our mouth without thinking about them. Um, or or acting or speaking in anger. Um, So again, I'll sum that up. James gives us three practical applications for our lives in these last two verses. He says us to guard our tongues. He tells us to have a heart of generosity and kindness to those in need that are in trials. And he urges us to pursue personal holiness in thought and action. And keeping ourselves spotless from the world. In conclusion, I want to um, I want to bring up just kind of the the first points that we made today, and just trying to sum up like this portion of James chapter one. We're to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, in order to produce God's righteousness. And then also living according to the word of God is not optional. We're all called to do it. We have to hear the word. We have to humbly receive it. And we have to do what it says. This all involves guarding our tongue, loving others, pursuing holiness and thought and action. Um, at this time, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for allowing us the opportunity to hear your word, to read your word, to study your word. Father, I thank you for the Bible studies that are going on, both in the personal lives of some of our congregation, as well as that, what we come today, together to do corporately. And Father, I do pray that that all builds up your body. Father, I do pray um, for everyone um, here and online. Father, that we would not only hear your word and know what you have to say um, to us in it and, and, and what we should do, but, Father, I just pray that everybody would really um, take away from your, your word here in James chapter 1, Father, that we're not only to hear but we're also to do. Father, I pray that as we go into our lives this week, as we deal with our children or family or friends or coworkers or just strangers, people that have wronged us father just whatever the case for everybody that we interact with father i just pray that you would help us to guard our tongues i pray that you would help us to in the moment go against what we um, may desire to do and and hear people father that we would be slow to speak that we would guard our tongues and the things that we not only say but the things that we write All of these different things, Father, I just pray that you would help us to be slow to anger, that we would love um, as you love. And Father, too, I just pray that everybody here would go throughout this week and moving forward, looking for the opportunities that you provide them. Father, there's so much need in this world. People just need someone to love them, to tell them the truth, to help support them. So, Father, I just pray that we would find those opportunities in, in our lives, Father, to not only Um, just live a personal um, holy life, but also to show your love to others. Father, I ask all this in your son's name. Amen.